2: Welcome to this free preview edition of the Fightful Select Weekender Podcast. Today is Monday, October 12th, 2020. I'm Steven Jensen, and normally you'd hear me over at FightfulSelect.com talking about this stuff. Usually on the weekender I'm talking Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, NWA, Being the Elite, uh, 205 Live, NXT UK, I mean anything you possibly think of. I cover various shows on IndependentWrestling.tv, I'm covering various shows from Fight TV, and just all over the place, and today we're going to be doing a full review of GCW's Collective Weekend. Basically three days and 12 shows. I watched every single one of them, and I am stoked to be talking about that with y'all today. As I mentioned, this would normally be available on FightfulSelect.com, but you don't just get my show over there. You get Alex Palowski's Sour Graps, where he gives his honest and hilarious reviews of professional wrestling. You have the man, the Dong Lord himself, Sean Ross satt. He's on here giving the scoops, breaking news, doing extra podcasts, talking and interacting with fans in the comments during live shows. You got Jimmy Van. You got so much good stuff over there at Fightful Select, and it is the most direct way you can support Fightful. So please, if you enjoy this podcast or you're interested in any of the other things I've just mentioned, please check out FightfulSelect.com, and I'll make sure to remind you all of that throughout the episode. But that all being said, GCW's Collective Weekend, this was so much fun, y'all. I mean, for somebody like myself who has been following independent wrestling for as long as I have, and coming up on around two years or so of doing this weekend or podcast here at Fightful every single weekend, this is basically WrestleMania weekend for independent wrestling. And, of course, this was supposed to originally happen in Tampa over WrestleMania weekend, but... We're getting it in October, or I should say we got it in October because it's now over. And I mean, just so much good stuff. As y'all will obviously realize as I'm going through the results and talking about the various talents throughout these shows, there's a lot of overlap. Um, There's a lot of people that wrestled on more than one show, some that wrestled on more than half of the shows, some that almost wrestled on every single show. I'm going to definitely give you some MVPs for the weekend, uh, some things that really stuck out to me. And I'm going to go through every single match for these 12 shows. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and waste y'all's entire day by breaking every single thing down step by step. But what I will do is make sure y'all know who won and lost every single match and my opinion on it. So, without any further ado, let's just jump into this because, man, this was so much fun. I, I do want to say right off the top before I jump into it, I guess, I want to mention, as a pro wrestling fan, I think we get very jaded. Uh, especially with the mainstream wrestling products. There's a lot of hate for the WWE, and understandably so. I understand, I, I totally get it. Uh, there's some people that, you know, they don't like AEW, or they don't like Impact Wrestling. They don't pay attention to Ring of Honor. They have no interest in New Japan, whatever it is. There's a lot of people that complain about wrestling. And it's okay. It's fine to have your opinion. But there's people like me who, for years, were complaining about what the WWE was doing, and then realized, like, I was already, of course, aware of the independent scene, But once you really start digging deeper and see shows like what we saw over this past weekend, I think it's really eye-opening to a lot of fans because they can see like, hmm, I don't really like what I'm seeing on Raw, but I still love wrestling and there's all of this. And these guys are great and these girls are great. And anything in between. I mean, there's, as we're going to talk about, not just men and women, we have, you know, Uh, We have trans people. We have the LGBTQ plus community. We have so many different types of people from so many different backgrounds. Such an inclusive weekend of wrestling. And yeah, I just can't say enough good things about it. So maybe you're a little upset with what's going on on the wrestling you normally watch. But I can pretty much guarantee you, out of these 12 shows, there's got to be something that you enjoy. And some people that you might want to, you know, start following. Some people you may not have been aware of that you now can become a fan of because the biggest enjoyment I get as a fan is to be honest, like selfishly when a talent that I enjoy from the Indies gets signed to AEW or NXT or really anywhere else, there's part of me that gets a little bummed out because I'm like, Oh man, that was, that was uh, that was my guy or that was my girl or, you know, it's like, and I just don't know how the WWE is going to use them or, you know, there's the unknown, but you're happy that they got that contract. And there's a lot of that this weekend because there's a lot of people that I know there's not going to be much time left for them on the indies because they are going to get signed. And some of these people that I'm going to be mentioning are signed to major companies already. So selfishly as a fan, I'm always a little bit bummed out to see them move on because I love the indie scene so much, but it's also super rewarding and such a great feeling when you see them make it. I mean, when you see somebody pop up on AEW television or NXT or WWE that you've seen wrestle for years in high school gyms and bars and, you know, literal parks and stuff like that, just out in the open, basically backyard wrestling and stuff, and then you see them make it, it is such a great feeling. And I bring that up because there's a lot of people on the show in that boat, and there's a lot of people that I talk about on a weekly basis here on the Fightful Weekender podcast that I'm constantly saying, like, Pay attention to these names, because a lot of the people I'm highlighting, you're going to be seeing on national television. So, with that all being said, let's jump into the first show. We had GCW's Jimmy Lloyd's Degeneration F. This kicked off the entire weekend. This was Friday afternoon. This was like 11 or 12 p.m. Um, on Friday. It opened up with Brayden Lee defeating Alex Ocean, Eli Isom, Alaya Black, Sonico, Kung Fu Janella, and... Griffin McCoy wound up getting the win with a 6:30 cents on to Sonico. This was a great way to just kick off the weekend. This was just, I mean, they went hard as hell. Seven-person scramble. And Brayden Lee getting that win I liked a lot, too. It really set the bar for the entire weekend. Like, seven people going out there, showing out, and basically saying, all right, y'all, y'all get ready, because we got 11 more shows after this, plus the show that we're doing right now. Really great stuff. That led right into a four-way tag team match where I'm Working on Dying, which is the team of Steve Sanders and Dylan McKay, defeated Top Flight, the team of Angel Dorado and Airwolf, as well as the team of the Smoking Buds, which consists of Cody and David Morton, and YNDB, the team of Ellis Taylor and Charlie Tiger. The finish came when uh, McKay hit a shooting star senton onto Cody Morton, I'm very impressed with Stan with Sanders and McKay, both very talented and young, uh, young guys. I mean, there's a super bright future for all of them. Airwolf and Dorado, the team of Top Flight, we're gonna be talking about more throughout the weekend, because they had quite a few pretty high profile matches. The Smoking Buds, I was really happy to see in this one. I like Cody and David Morton a lot. I'm familiar with them mainly from like the Chattanooga area. They do stuff um with uh I think I believe with like TWE and Crux and stuff like that in the Chattanooga area. I have a, some really good uh, mutual friends with the Smoking Buds, and I hear nothing but great things about both those guys, and I've been paying attention to their matches very closely lately, and I think that they're a team that, because of their gimmick, it might be a little limiting. Um, I'm just going to be honest about that. Like On like a mainstream level, but Smoking Buds, you can kind of put two and two together, kind of what they're all about, but for the Indies, it works great, and I'm, I'm a big fan personally. But that's really the only thing I think that's going to potentially hold them back going forward unless they tweak the gimmick just a little bit. But then again, you have like the Rascals that kind of do a similar type of thing with a lot of the 420 references. And they're on national TV. Um, I guess you can call it that. I'm not sure what access TV is considered. But I watch Impact Wrestling through Twitch, which anybody in the world can use. So um, there's that. And of course, we're going to talk about the Rascals more. And then of course, uh, the team of Y and YD and um, great team as well. Just a really solid four-way tag team match, and it was great to see McKay and Sanders get that win. Moving on, we had the one called Manders defeating Logan Stunt. He beat him with a top rope Oklahoma slam, Oklahoma Stampede power slam through a door. So this match ruled. Um, for those of you who might not be aware of Logan Stunt, he is the brother of Marco Stunt. They look very similar as far as, like, very similar heights, similar weights, similar looks. You can definitely tell that they're brothers just by looking at the two of them. I've been familiar with Logan for a while now, mainly through his work at SUP in Nashville, which SUP actually ran a show uh, this same day, which I'm going to talk about very shortly, um, or very soon. I'm going to go in-depth about it, but I'm going to talk about it here in just a second. And for those of you who have never seen Logan, he looks a lot like Marco, but he wrestles differently. He's way more grappling-based. I actually think he has a a much better offense than Marco. This is just me personally, and I'm a big Marco Stunt fan. Um, He's one of those guys, as I was mentioning at the top of the show, he was a guy I watched for years just get the hell beat out of him uh, on the indies before finally kind of catching on. And then, of course, we see him on AEW on basically a weekly basis at this point. Um, Just a perfect example of somebody that I watched go from just... I mean, literally jobbing out hard to everybody because of his size, to becoming a pretty big deal on the indies, to just completely blowing up, and then to be on national television for AEW in the spot that he's in. That's one of those perfect examples of just a great feeling you get watching somebody make it. And Logan, I think his time will come. The only thing kind of pigeonholing him at the moment is is basically because Marco has made it, and... He basically is going to be perceived as like another version of Marco Stunt. But I think he could work really well on a tag team, which we're going to talk about a little bit more because they did have a tag team match over the weekend. Um, But that all being said, I'm a big fan of Logan, and I'm a really big fan of the one called Manders, a.k.a. Steve Manders. He is, I mean, he's tearing it up everywhere right now. He had possibly my favorite match of the entire year a couple months ago for Action Wrestling out of Tyrone, Georgia. Shout out to Action Wrestling. They didn't have a show over the collective weekend, but they're heavily um, involved with Southern Underground Pro and some of the other promotions that did run shows. Um, But Action Wrestling, uh, Manders had a match against Graham Bell that was one of my favorite, if not my absolute favorite match of 2020. Manders is wrestling all over the place. He's killing it, and he gets over with every crowd. And I really love the match. In the finish of the match especially. Basically Manders gets Logan up on the top rope. And it's really hard to explain. But Manders has him up in a power slam. He's up on his shoulder. And he has to take an extra step to like get to the top rope. He already has Logan on his shoulder. And he has to take one big step up from the middle rope to the top rope. To jump off through the, uh, through the door and he barely gets it. Like, it it by no means was any kind of botch. Nothing like that. But it was was a little sketch. It was like, Manders pulled it off. He totally pulled it off. But he goes, like, one inch the other direction, and that is a disaster. But I'm glad they pulled it off. And this was another one that really set the bar, for Manders especially, because he was all over this weekend. Moving on, we had Trey Lamar defeating J.J. Garrett. Got the win with the froggy bow, a.k.a. a frog splash elbow drop. But Mar is another guy that we're going to be talking about quite a bit. He is super talented. He's another one of those guys where Traylon Moore, I've given this example before, and this, this is going to apply to a lot of people I talk about throughout this show. There is basically what I consider to be like a totem pole or like a hierarchy of independent wrestling talent. And it isn't necessarily based completely on talent as it is based on how close I think people are to getting signed to mainstream companies. So for instance, there are people I'm going to talk about today. Um, I'll just give you some examples right now. Someone like Matthew Justice or Mance Warner. Um, There's a lot of, there's a lot of them that are kind of in that boat. Um, But those are two that like come to mind immediately. Uh, Calvin Tankman is, is kind of like already getting there, especially with his, his stuff upcoming with MLW. There's a lot of them. And When those people kind of move on, like, from the indies to mainstream wrestling, it opens up spots for the next generation, and the next generation is looking incredible, because I consider Trey Lamar to be one of the top people of that upcoming generation, so when people like Matthew Justice and Mance Warner, here's another perfect example, like, Kurt Stallion just got signed to the WWE, Josh Briggs just got signed to the WWE, I mean, those were two people that were in that level of the totem pole, in my opinion, and, when that kind of stuff happens, it opens up spots. And I think Trey Lamar is somebody we're going to be seeing as a big deal on the indies going forward. And he's just he's just super talented. And there's some other people I'm going to mention that I think are in that same boat as we move along throughout these shows. I just mentioned Calvin Tangman. He was in the next match defeating Cole Radrick. Gets the with the hidden blade elbow. Which is basically, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen Will Ospreay do, do this a similar type move where he basically swings his full body weight of uh, forearm and elbow, just swings it to the back of his opponent's head while they're kind of like kneeling down. It looks completely brutal. Like I mentioned, I think I've seen Osprey do it first. I, I doubt he like created the move. I just know that I've seen Osprey do it first. And Tankman does it, and he lo- it just looks completely devastating. Cole Ryderick, I have heard referred to so... Shout out to Mouse Robert Bellamy who in my opinion is the best pro wrestling photographer in the world. His daughter is Billy Starks who wrestled on a few of these shows also. I'm going to definitely talk about Billy, but I've heard Mouse talk about how Cole Roderick is the Charlie Conway of independent wrestling. For those of you who are familiar with the Mighty Ducks trilogy of movies from the 90s and it's such an accurate it's such an accurate way of of explaining Cole Radrick in a very succinct way. Like the guy is all heart and he constantly improves and he always has good matches and he just looks very unassuming. Like he wears very basic looking ring singlet and he I don't know how tall he is, but I mean honestly I, I I can't imagine he's any taller than like five five, five six, um, not not big, uh doesn't look very athletic. And he goes out there and just shows up every single time. Like, he's a guy you look at, and you're just like, oh, okay. And then you see him wrestle, and you're like, oh, this guy freaking rules. And Cole Roderick had another big weekend. Uh, it started off, once again, with this loss to Calvin Tankman, but it was really good. This was a really good match. Both guys went hard as hell, and, and my hat's off to both of them. Calvin Tankman, like I said before, he's already on his way. He just recently got signed signed to MLW, and I think they're going to use him in a really big capacity. And Radrick, I think is kind of same like Trey Lamar, kind of that next crop. Radrick's been around for a minute, but the, the the best is yet to come still for Cole Radrick. Super talented, a guy who is a perfect example of like of just hard work. You know, you gotta respect it. So shout out to Cole Radrick, and of course Calvin Tangman. We're gonna be talking about both of them throughout this weekend. We had Jordan Oliver defeating Ace Austin with a clout cutter through a door in the next match this is a big one for Jordan Oliver. It was a good match. Both guys flew all over the place. Of course, we're familiar with Ace Austin from his work in Impact Wrestling, and I talk about it all the time here on The weekend, Or for those of you who might be new listening to this free preview, but I was a big believer that Ace Austin should have won the title at Slammiversary, the Impact World Heavyweight Championship, in the Slammiversary main event. Now, I am very happy with where they're at, with Eric Young as the champion. So don't get me wrong. I think where they wound up, it works really well. And I really like the feud with Rich Swan. Looking forward to their title match at Bound for Glory. Which, by the way, I'll be recapping and reviewing right after the show on the Fightful YouTube channel. And I believe I'll be doing that along with Sean Ross Sapp. So that should be a lot of fun. I really enjoy doing those post shows. And uh, and yeah, that being said, Ace Austin, I, I, I think that he's incredibly talented. I think he's been kind of lost in the shuffle and impact lately. Like he's a part of the tag team with Madman Fulton and they're getting a title shot in a, I think it's a four-way match about for glory. So like he's involved, but I feel like he should be heavily spotlighted as one of the top singles wrestlers in the company. That's just my opinion. And I think Jordan Oliver getting this win here is a big nod of approval for Jordan Oliver. Because he's just in a kind of a different spot. I think we're going to be seeing Oliver a lot more on the indie scene and Austin a lot more with Impact Wrestling and other mainstream promotions going forward, so this really helps out the future of indie wrestling, and I love seeing Jordan Oliver get that win. Really good match. After that, we had AJ Gray defeating Jimmy Lloyd. The show is named after Jimmy Lloyd. Um, The finish came with the Blue Eyes White Dragon, which, I mean, AJ Gray, it basically equates to AJ Gray beating the hell out of people. I mean, going out there throwing clotheslines, hitting just crazy power moves and I mean he does everything um I'll just go ahead and get this out of the way right now I, I'll be talking about AJ Gray a lot throughout this show he in my opinion was the MVP of the entire weekend uh he I think had the most wins of anybody at least off the top of my head from watching all these shows my brain's a little bit scrambled I have to be honest I mean like I, I watched I watched 12 shows in three days and I watched almost all of them live as they were happening only had to go back and rewatch a few things today before recording And um, AJ Gray went out there and absolutely killed it. I don't know what his overall record was for the collective. There was 12 shows and he was on probably nine or 10 of them. And I think he won all but like one or two of the matches. And one of those is the Clusterfuck, which is, you know, on Joe Janela's Spring Break, which involves a ton of people, including, you know, invisible men and dolls and a whole bunch of that, inanimate objects and that kind of stuff. Um, So it's really hard to count that as a loss. And I think he might have lost another one over the weekend, but it was like a multi-person match. But that all being said, and maybe it was just the clusterfuck that he lost, to be honest. It might have just been that match. Um, And I'll realize that as we go through the rest of these results. it'll, It'll come back to me exactly how that all went down. But AJ Gray beating Jimmy Lloyd here I liked a lot. Especially because Jimmy Lloyd, you know, he ran the show, but he didn't need this win. And this was just setting up a giant weekend for AJ Gray who, once again, I'm a big fan of. I, I've been watching him live for a long time. I think it's great that he's finally getting, in my opinion, the kind of exposure and, and respect that he deserves uh, from the wrestling scene because he's always been really good, but he's really putting it all together right now. After that, we had Blake Christian defeating Starboy Charlie, beat him with an inverted Koji clutch. And this this was just awesome. Starboy Charlie is only 17 years old. Uh, he is going to be a future star he's already really damn good but only 17 and blake christian is in the same kind of boat as someone like a trey lamar in my opinion blake christian he he he's an interesting case though because i think blake christian is just kind of kind of just leapfrog everything and just i like i honestly think he's just gonna get signed really soon he's the kind of guy where like he's so talented and so unique has a different look to him Does everything really, really well. Gets over everywhere he is. And he was really busy this weekend also. He had a ton of matches. And yeah, I mean, Blake Christian, he's one of those guys, like I've been saying, kind of on that, on the indie wrestling totem pole, he'd be kind of like that next group, you know, of, of like a few more people get signed and then Blake Christian's going to be main eventing like everywhere. But I think that that's already kind of started to happen like really quickly and I think the next thing we know, he's going to be popping up on like AEW or NXT or something. Like, I think he's going to get signed. I really do. I think he's just too talented. He's young. He's really crisp in what he does. Uh, reliable, willing to work his ass off. And, and yeah, I mean, he even said it himself. And I I think and it was after this match, actually. So this is a perfect time to bring it up. Blake Christian did a speech right after this match, after he beat Starboy Charlie. And, He basically said, he got on the microphone, basically said, hey, you know, when certain guys left the Indies, this is all going along with what I've been saying uh, up to this point during this episode, basically said like a few years ago when certain people left the Indies and went off and got signed, people were saying it's okay because there's guys like Blake Christian, Ben Carter, and um, Alex Zane that are still here. And now we're starting to get to a point where Blake Christian, I think, will get signed soon. Um, uh, ben Carter probably already is signed by AEW. I mean, he didn't work any of the collective weekend, and he's been showing up on AEW TV and had a really great match against Scorpio Sky on that really late AEW Dynamite special they did um, after the I think it was after uh, NBA playoff game a few weeks ago. That match ruled, so I'd imagine Ben Carter is off the indie scene or at least gonna be way less involved because he'll be way more involved with, with AEW, just my just my guess. And then you have Alex Zane, who has all the talent in the world and could very well get signed at any point also. So, Blake Christian basically said there was the three of us, and as the three of us, you know, surely eventually will move on, the Indies are still gonna be fine because Starboy Charlie's next up. And I think that was a great seal of approval for Starboy Charlie. And... Uh, and yeah, Blake Christian just an incredible wrestler, and I'll be talking about him more throughout this, uh, you know, this episode of the Weekender as well. Last up on this show, we had the death match between Att- Atticus Coger and Colby Carino. The finish came when Coger hit a thumbtack faceplant on Colby Carino to get the win. Of course, Coger had four four zero by his side, and yeah, this was really good. I mean, like I'm not huge on death matches, but you know, I did watch quite a few of them this weekend and you know it's great to see Colby Carino out there. I didn't realize until lately or until recently that he was actually a part of the Ug- Ugly Ducklings. Um the Ugly Ducklings are uh Rob Killjoy and I don't know why I can't think of the other guy's name off the top of my head. They're a really good tag team though. They do great with their merchandise. I've seen them live in Chattanooga um I believe for the Scenic City Invitational, one of their shows there in Chattanooga. Um, but I've probably seen them live maybe three or four times now, just various spots. And I love their entrance. I love their gimmick. And like I said, their merch table is always just full of really cool stuff that I, I, I really respect the merch game for the Ugly Ducklings. And Colby Carino recently joined up with them as, to make it like a trio, which I thought was uh was interesting because it kind of flew under the no pun intended, it kind of flew under the radar being ducklings and all. Um, but it's cool to see Colby out there. I know he dealt with some pretty serious personal stuff. Um, and the only reason I know that is because they constantly bring it up during his matches, but it's meant to build his character and, uh, and yeah, Atticus Coger, you know, he's just one of these guys, he's really solid at what he does. I'm not huge on death matches, but he does a lot of them and, you know, he wins a lot of them too. And being affiliated with four, four, Oh, along with, you know, Ricky Shane page and Eddie only and Gregory iron, who I think is just the best heel of all time, um, for those of you who don't know Gregory Iron, he has cerebral palsy, and I mean, you can see it while he's just, you know, you can just see it when you look at him, because he, um, and this isn't to be offensive, I, I have a, a long history of neurological issue in my family as well, very similar to cerebral palsy, so like, I'm by no means joking about this or, or making fun at all, but when you look at him, you can tell because his, his wrist is like turned out kind of crooked. And when he does moves and stuff, you can tell he's using one one arm versus the other and stuff. Um, and as a babyface, which is what he was for the vast majority of his career, um, it's someone you can really, really get behind. You know, he's automatically sympathetic and somebody that you want to see succeed because it's like, oh man, like this guy's going through some stuff physically, but like he still out to live in his dream. Like it's a really inspirational thing to see. Gregory Irons' is a heel is amazing to me because all the things that i just said you have to just like you have to look at it and be like wow what a jerk like like you know what i mean you look at it and just like really like you're gonna be out here bullying people like like you gotta imagine he's been dealing with bullying his entire life or at least you know his childhood i'm sure he got bullied for being different as many of us are that i'm sure are listening to this it sucks the worst. I was bullied badly, uh, growing up, and uh, to to but then to see him use that against himself as a heel, I think is just brilliant because it's like it's just one of those things that's so slimy to see because it's like oh man like I want to cheer for this guy so bad because I know he's just been through stuff and like he's such an inspiration but he's using it instead of being inspirational he's using it to be a jerk and bully and gang up on people. So I think as a heel, I think what Gregory Aron is doing is really, really smart. Um, and I think it works really well. Um, but that all to say, Atticus Coger gets the win over Colby Carino. Uh, and for a death match, once again, not huge on deathmatches, but I enjoyed it. Gonna grab a little swig of water and jump into the next show here. So, up next. Southern Underground Pro. This is, I'm going to I'm gonna throw it out there, I'm biased, I've lived in Nashville for the last 10 years or so of my life, recently moved to Atlanta, Georgia, but I will always have Southern Underground Pro in my heart. I was a fan of theirs from their very first show, uh, watching them live in literal dive bars, and for those of you who don't know, uh, about a year or so ago, there was really bad tornadoes in Nashville, and the basement east which is the venue that sup has become synonymous with it got blown away and it, it's a it was a historical venue in nashville not just for professional wrestling but for music and a whole bunch of different stuff and the basement east got destroyed and luckily they're putting it back together and it looks like we'll get wrestling there again eventually when things kind of get back to normal but sup's been through a lot this year we've all been through a lot this year i'm not i'm not going to sit here and and act like Southern Underground Pro is the only, the only people that are dealing with issues this year. I, I, trust me. I get it. There's a lot going on. Uh, there's a lot going on with the world. There's a lot going on uh, with the pandemic. There's a, I mean, there's a lot. It's been a crazy year for a lot of people. A really unfortunate year for a lot of people. So I I want to throw that out there. I, I feel bad for anybody that's had to deal with stuff. But I just know firsthand, because I know so many people involved with SUP, uh, to watch what they all had to go through this past year, this was just an amazing thing for all of them. And for me as a fan of the product. After seven months off for them to finally do another show. And it was right here at The Collective. I really enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm not bi- biased in saying this. <clears throat> I read a lot of people tweeting. About how they thought this was the best show the entire weekend. Now I'm not going to say that. Because I don't want to sound biased. But it's I feel like it definitely has to at least be in the conversation. I thought this show was incredible. It was great wrestling from top to bottom. You got different stuff in every match, and every match progressed the storyline. You can't ask for anything more than that out of a wrestling show. Started off with Violence is Forever, the tag team champions, Dominic Green and Kevin Koo, defeating To Infinity and Beyond, the team of Colin Delaney and Cheech Hernandez. The finish came with a, uh, basically the Chasing the Dragon, where uh, Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish used to do the move a lot where one puts up the opponent in a brain buster, the other one kicks him in the head, and then drops him down for the brain buster. Bounces Forever, so they retain their title, and I've been a fan of them since before they were even called that, by the way. I have a Sad comp t-shirt from their original tag team name before they even became Bounces Forever. So that's how hardcore and longtime fan I am of a lot of these people. Like, there were some people that I saw um, trying to throw out, you know, not necessarily aimed at me, but kind of like, oh, now everyone's getting on, you know, AJ Gray's, uh, you know, everyone's finally now getting, you know, giving him his respect and blah, 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 which I think is, is fair to a degree. But like, I was rocking a Rich Homie Juice AJ Gray t-shirt, you know, three years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I, I've been on board with a lot of these guys for a long time. So this is all so cool to me to see all this. And it was also really cool to see that Southern Underground Pro finally has a set of tag team titles. For the longest time, Greeny and Koo, who have been the tag team champions for a long time now, um, they basically won a trophy. And they didn't have physical belts. And I know that SUP, I, I'll pull the curtain back a little bit for y'all, because I know a lot of people involved with the shows. SUP was very on the fence about even continuing as a company um, as of not that long ago. Like They were really on the fence about it. Um, but now I know they're committed, like they're running shows again and they just invested in more tag team or more, you know, title belts, physical title belts. So that's a really good positive thumbs up for the, uh, the future of the company there moving on. Speaking of AJ Gray, just mentioned him. He defeated Nolan Edwards with a lariat, which, you know, he just goes out there and he's just taking people's heads off with these lariats. He's hitting these Stan Hansen style lariats on people. And I think it's awesome. For those of you who may not be familiar with Nolan Edward, he's another guy that I know out of the Chattanooga area. He recently won the Action Wrestling Slash Scenic City Invitational Futures Tournament, Futures Showcase. They just did that a couple weeks ago. And he's been popping up all over the place lately. Super talented guy. Uh, we'll be talking about him more when it comes to like Paradigm Pro because he's been doing a lot of work there and he worked more over the weekend. And this is just another big win for AJ Gray. Uh, but this is not the last We'll be we'll be talking about AJ, that's for sure. After that, we had Alley Cat defeating. I always have a tough time with her name. I I always call her Davine, but I know that isn't correct. I think it's Davian. I think it Davian. Davian. I think is actually how you pronounce it. Just a this is a tough one for me to pronounce. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, Alley Cat gets the win with the. Um, basically, she hits her pussy pile driver, which is a pile driver, but obviously the play on words her being Alley Cat. Uh, she hit it from the ropes. Really good stuff. Allie Cat is known as the heart and soul of Southern Underground Pro and for good reason. She's really heavily involved in a lot of the a lot of the shows and has great matches and she's another one where like she's in that same uh top of the totem pole with those other people I mentioned before where it, it's literally just a matter of time before Allie Cat is signed to National Pro or to National uh Company. I mean a company like AEW, I think, would benefit greatly from hiring someone like Alley Cat. You know, people kind of talk crap on AEW's women division, and there's talented women out there on the indies. As we're gonna we're gonna talk about a lot more of them coming up here in a little bit. But I mean, Allie Cat, super talented. And Davian, Davin. God, that's that's a tough one for me. She uh she she did great, and I know that she was highly regarded coming into the match. Um, I I don't want to name drop certain people, but I know somebody really close to the booking side of Southern Underground Pro that lobbied really hard to get her into the company for this match against Alley Cat, and I'm glad they did, because I think I think the match was great. Speaking of another great match, and this is a match that just, just completely different style, which is so good. Daniel McCabe defeated Lee Moriarty, got the win with the McCabe lock. Okay, so Lee Moriarty... I'm going to say a few things real quick about him because he's all over this weekend. Lee Moriarty is one of the best technical wrestlers in the world. He's somebody that I think we're for sure going to be seeing wrestling uh, for the Ring of Honor pure title at some point in the near future. Um, after that tournament wraps up, he's a guy, same with Daniel McCabe. I think both of these guys are literal, I mean, it, it is perfect fits for Ring of Honor's pure, pure division. I mean, you could not have two better people that most mainstream wrestling fans aren't going to know that you can build as kind of homegrown guys as Lee Moriarty and Dana McCabe. They're, they're, I mean, just such a perfect fit. And Moriarty wrestled, I think he had the most matches of anyone this weekend. Maybe Maybe not as many as AJ Gray, but it's probably pretty close. My one knock with Moriarty, and I'm going to, I'll talk about it throughout, He loses too much. That's my one knock on Moriarty. And it wasn't just this weekend. I've been watching him wrestle for a while now. Like, he's been around for a while, but like, I'd say probably the last probably three to six months, I've been paying a lot more attention to Moriarty. He's been wrestling all over the place and having these great matches, but he almost always loses. And it's one of these things where like, yeah, it feels great when he gets a win, which I'll be talking about in a little bit here. But... That's the one, that's just my one thing. Like, he's so good, and commentary is constantly putting him over as, you know, they literally say the best technical, or, you know, they basically say, like, a lot of people regard him as the best wrestler in the world. And I think that claim is a lot more valid if he wins more often. But I'm going to get more into that, because there's some seeds that were planted on a later show that give me hope that that's going to be turning around soon for him. Makabe, on the other hand, this was his first match, I think, like, all year. Like, I think uh, I think he's been pretty much taking all this time off during the pandemic. And he's a guy who had a lot of momentum, uh, especially last year, coming off of the Scenic City Invitational tournament win that he had. He won the entire thing uh, in 2019. And it was incredible. Uh, Maccabe is super talented. And I'll be honest, I'm really surprised we didn't see a lot more of him this weekend. I don't know if that was because of him only taking, you know, a small number of bookings and just kind of getting back into it. I don't know what the case was, but I hope the case wasn't that people just weren't booking him because you could put Dana McCabe on any wrestling show and it immediately adds credibility and variety to your show. And I can say the same about Lee Moriarty. Like this match I thought was awesome. I would love to see some sort of best out of seven uh, series type scenario for these two guys. Just watch them keep going at it. Um, really, really enjoyed this match. Thought it was incredible. There were certain things that happened in this where, like, Dana McCabe went out of his, uh, kind of safety zone and hit a top rope Frankensteiner where, like, almost didn't make it all the way, but it, but because it was so close, it wound up looking incredible. I mean, they were doing just awesome stuff in there. Love this match. Moving on, we had O'Shea Edwards defeating Jake something. Got the one with the Kaiju driver. This is a big one for O'Shea Edwards. Um, O'Shea, somebody that, if y'all aren't familiar with him, he's done some work fairly recently with Ring of Honor, uh, mainly through their dojo. I don't know if he's going to be brought on to TV anytime soon, but he definitely should be. And if not with Ring of Honor, somewhere else. I mean, I think he is a, he fits like a glove in Impact Wrestling. Um, I think he would do great in a company like AEW as well. He'd do great anywhere he goes. Um, but I just see something like Impact Wrestling, him immediately becoming like a top person at Impact And I say that because, you know, Jake something is a part of impact. He's also known as cousin Jake and Jake something is also the black label pro heavyweight champion. I mean, he's been the glory pro heavyweight champion. He's, he is one of the top guys on the indies and O'Shea Edwards getting that win, I thought was a big deal for him and it looked really good. I loved O'Shea Edwards entrance gear. I love his intensity and he's going to hate me saying this. If he ever listens to it, he's going to hate me saying it. Because I know him personally a little bit. I've interviewed him. I've interviewed a lot of the people over this weekend. But O'Shea is somebody I need to highlight and just say uh, he's a really, really nice guy. Like, outside of the ring, he's a really nice guy. He probably hates when people say that because he, he's such an intimidating presence when it comes to professional wrestling. Uh, but he's a guy that I really pull for because he really, he really is just a really nice guy. And uh, I'm really happy to see him get these uh, these big opportunities. And he deserves them. It isn't just because I think he's a nice guy. Like he he checks every box you can possibly imagine. He's intimidating. He's big. He's athletic. Um, he does really good moves. He has a cool move set. I mean, like he has cool entrance gear. Everything uh, checks every single box. Charismatic as hell. Just huge shout out to Osh Edwards and huge shout out to Jake Something. We'll be talking about more uh, throughout the show as well. After that, we had Anthony Henry taking on Jaden Newman. Got the win via Dragon Sleeper submission. And this was cool because this was a rematch from years back. Um, So those of you who might not know, Jaden Newman is currently only like 20 or so years old. And he started wrestling around the age of 15. Another guy that I had the opportunity of, uh, of interviewing a while back. And he's somebody that... When he wrestled Anthony Henry the first time, so I'll peel the curtain back even more, there's a company called TWE out of Chattanooga, and Jaden Newman helps book those shows. And Jaden brought in Anthony Henry years back to wrestle him, and he thought he was ready for Anthony Henry. And apparently he wasn't, and Anthony Henry beat the living hell out of him, like for real, in the ring and like left him there. As basically a way of saying, you're just not on the level of booking me against you at this point. As as brutal as it sounds, that's where it was. This match was really good. Jaden Newman earns Anthony Henry's respect, has a great competitive match, and afterwards, after Henry beats him with just a devastating-looking dragon sleeper, he gives him his endorsement. And that was huge. That was huge for us as fans who know the story in the background. It was huge for Jaden Newman finally getting that stamp of approval. And I'll say this now as well. Anthony Henry, I tweeted this and it got a lot of uh, a lot of people talking. I don't, I and I was basically say what I said in the tweet. I don't mean any disrespect to anybody else on any of these other shows, anyone else in the world who is not currently signed. But the fact that Anthony Henry is not signed to a nationally televised wrestling promotion is absolutely baffling to me. Absolutely baffling. It doesn't make any sense. Like, part of me wants to think like he must just be the biggest pain in the ass ever to work with like that behind the scenes that's all I can think of, but I know that isn't true because i I know people who have booked him and work with him and it's a unanimous same thing as I'm saying everyone just doesn't no one gets it just no one understands it um i mean he's five ten which isn't quote unquote too small anymore he does an awesome hybrid style of, of mixed martial arts and professional wrestling he works body parts. I mean, he, he can tag team wrestle. I mean, his his work with JD Drake as the workhorseman, one of the best tag teams in you know the last decade. Like he does it all, and I it just it's just mind blowing to me that he is not signed to a larger company uh, uh, with more exposure. And I know that he's recently been talking about retiring more often, but I have to imagine that has to do with the fact that he's, you know not getting some of these opportunities he's probably like, all right, well, there's nothing more I can do. I need to move on with my life. And it's gotta be discrediting, uh, discouraging, sorry, discouraging is the right word for other wrestlers who might consider Anthony Henry to be way better than them. And they're seeing him not getting opportunities. And they're like, well, if I'm not like, if he's not getting opportunities, I never will. And It's gotta be just, just discouraging. So huge shout out to Anthony Henry. Uh, he had more matches this weekend. We'll talk about, but he's, he's just super talented. Moving on, we had Brett Ison defeating Eric Stevens. Got him in with his new finisher, the ripcord back, uh, basically the ripcord spinning back fist. Really, really like this. Um, Eric Stevens actually retired at the end of uh, the night last night, which I'll talk about towards the end of the show. And Ison getting this win is huge. Uh, he's the longest running Southern Underground Pro Bone Storm champion in history, which is basically the sub equivalent of a heavyweight title. And he's the first person I think of when I think of the company. He's, in my opinion, the face of SUP. Um, and he's represented the brand all over the world. Really good guy. Another dude, of course, like I don't want to keep just saying another guy I've had the opportunity to interview. I mean, I could say that about so many of the people on these shows, but he's somebody that like I stay in contact with. We have some really good mutual friends and me and him stay in, in direct contact about stuff fairly often. I'm a big Brett Ison guy. And uh and yeah, seeing him get that win over Eric Stevens was great, well deserved, uh more credibility towards Brett Ison, and, and like I mentioned before, awesome to see him using a new finishing move. I, I really dig it. After that, we had the main event, AC Mack, the Bone Storm Champion, defeating one called Manders. Basically he kicks him in the dick and does a schoolboy roll up to get the win. AC Mac just the chicken S H I T heel, um just doing this all the time. He's also the current action wrestling champion, uh, holding those two belts uh, for the company in Atlanta as well as the company in Nashville. And it looks like the show's going to be over right there. AC Mack doing this again like he has been. I mean, for like the last year or so, he's been the champion. And every time he wrestles, it's something like this. Gets his ass kicked and does something underhanded and gets a win. And right when you think the show's over and that's it, AJ Gray comes out and challenges AC Mack A.C. Mack attacks him right away, and it looks like it's going to be quick work for A.C. A.J. Gray knocks him the F out with a brutal lariat. 1, 2, 3. And A.J. Gray wins another match for this weekend and is the new Southern Underground Pro Bonestorm Champion. Absolutely loved it. Amazing, amazing stuff. Just another feather in the cap of A.J. Gray for the weekend, and I love seeing him as the sub Champion. I, he's another one of those guys, similar to Bright Ison. When I think about SUP, like if there's uh, if there are four pillars of Southern Underground Pro, like how there are in New Japan, um, I think Brett Ison and Ace and uh sorry, Brett Ison and AJ Gray definitely are two of those four pillars for sure. Moving on, we had AIW Thunder in Indianapolis. This show is absolutely insane. Started off with Dr. Daniel C. Rockingham defeating Zach Thomas, Derek Dillinger, and Pretty Boy Smooth, get the win with a sit-out twist powerbomb. It was cool seeing this because like Derek Dillinger, I haven't seen much work of as Derek Dillinger. I know him as Derek Direction. He used to be in a tag team called The Production with Eddie Only, and Eddie Only is now doing his thing with 440. And uh is doing his own thing now, and he brought Ziggy Haim with him to ringside. Dr. Daniel C. Haim gets the win. For those of you who might not be aware or are familiar with him, he's a very um he's a very interesting uh character. He usually comes out with like uh, basically, like life, life strategy and and self help uh, guru type pamphlets, 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 um, and yeah, just just really interesting. He comes out and he talks uh, on the microphone and really gets the crowd riled up against him. And Doctor Daniel C Rockingham actually gets the surprise win. And his finisher is nice. That's that sit out twisting powerbomb is really solid. So big win for Doctor Daniel C. In that opening match. After that, we had Danhausen defeating Mordecai with a victory roll. And and yes, uh, you heard me correctly. That is the Mordecai. Uh, Kevin Fertig, uh, a.k.a. Uh, Kevin Thorne. I'm just going to be dead honest. This match was not it for me. It was a comedy match, but it was really more so about getting Mordecai's uh, real estate information out there, it seemed like. They really plugged a lot for, you know, hit him up if you need to sell your house kind of stuff. Um, so this just really wasn't for me. I'm just going to be honest. Uh, Danhausen I think is a really entertaining guy and he has a really big fan base and he's been getting a lot of work in ring of honor lately. So all, all credit to Danhausen, who I'll talk about more throughout this weekend. Uh, but yeah, this against Mordecai, just, it just wasn't it for me. So, but it was, it was cool. Like I'll, I will admit like, cause I completely forgot that Mordecai was on the show going into it. So to see him come out for his match, I was like, oh damn, eh, it's Mordecai. Like, yeah. All right. You know, kind of, kind of like, all right, let's let's do this. And the matchup on paper made sense. It I just didn't, I just it just wasn't for me when it went down. After that, we had Eric Stevens defeating Dominic Greeny, got the win with a knockout forearm. And this was interesting because Eric Stevens and Dominic Garini are both a part of Team Filthy, along with Tom Lawler as well as Kevin Koo. Um, so this was a solid match. Eric Stevens gets the win. And it was good to see him get this too, because you know, with him retiring at the end of the weekend, I didn't want to see him lose all of his matches. And him beating Garini, I think, totally made sense. After that, the Bitcoin the Bitcoin Boys, the team of Mikey Montgomery and Eric Taylor, defeated Alley Cat and Levi Everett, got the win with a drop kick and DVD combo. Another really good match. Um, Bitcoin Boys, someone a uh, team to keep your eyes on. Allie Cat, I talked about her a little bit earlier. Just super solid women's wrestler. Solid wrestler in general, but like specifically when you're talking about women's wrestling, I, I think that, like I said, she she really deserves a spot somewhere, uh, getting more eyes on her. And Levi Everett, very interesting character as well. I mean, he's this Amish character, but like he looks like very unassuming and very like, oh, just this good, good old Amish boy. And then he does like really heelish stuff. Uh, with, like, a pickaxe, and, like, he has this this temper about him, which brings layers to his character that I think are really entertaining. So, good stuff there. Bitcoin Boy's getting the victory. After that, Trey Lamar defeated Alex Shelley and Lee Mori- Moriarty. Got the win with a froggy bow. Another just fantastic match. Um, this is the first time we're seeing Alex Shelley this weekend. Of course, he is part of the Tag Team Champions in Impact Wrestling, along with Chris Sabin and... Um. Yeah. I mean, just incredibly solid wrestler. He's been doing great stuff with Black Label Pro uh, lately as well. Uh, that is Alex Shelley. Lee Moriarty, I just talked about earlier. I mean, just just incredible technical wrestler. And Trey Lamar, I also talked about. And this is just another uh, stamp of approval for him. He's the future of independent wrestling. I mean, this is a huge victory, getting a win over Alex Shelley and Lee Moriarty, clean with that froggy bow one two three. And his froggy bow is very impressive, by the way. He gets a lot of height on it, and he he drops that elbow. Um, I'm I'm a stickler for elbow drops. My favorite wrestling move of all time is Randy Savage's flying elbow. So I'm very nitpicky when it comes to to, to elbow drops, and I think Traylon Mar's got a really good one. So another big win for Traylon Mar for the weekend. After that, Mance Warner defeated Mister uh got the win with a chair platform power driver. This was a little strange because they're trying to turn Mister Brickster heel, but he comes off really more so as like goofy, but He's another guy. I know Brickster really well, personally. Of all the people on any of these shows, I probably know Brickster the best, personally. He lived very close to me when I lived in Nashville. And so I I was happy to see him on this show because he's all over this weekend, but mainly as, like, a commentator, like a guest commentator, or doing, like, security and stuff like that. So for him to get this match, I, I really liked seeing it. But, uh... But, yeah, I... I'll, I'll just say, Mance Warner, I've mentioned it before, like, he it's he's gonna get signed. I just don't know when or where, but like, he's just completely killing it right now. His character's incredible. His matches are incredible. He mixes this old school with the new school with, you know, his love for old WCW and, and like this southern gimmick and lariats and light beers and this whole this whole thing. I, I love the concoction that Man Swarner has, has made himself. And Brickster, I'm a fan of his. I, I think he I think he really, really, really wants to succeed in wrestling and he works his ass off. Um it's just gonna take a while. It's just that simple. Like he's had a couple opportunities that uh just didn't pan out for him and I think he discouraged him a little bit, but now I think he's back to, to working hard and, and and trying to make his dreams come true and and, and doing more in wrestling. And I thought this was a good match. And I think Mance Warner was the right person to win. After that, we had Filthy Tom Lawler defeating the Karate Man in a, <laughs> via the Five Steps of Death, uh, which is basically a, uh, a heart punch. This was incredible. Um, so this is built almost like a Mortal Kombat match where Filthy Tom Lawler basically. Um, basically, like, he, he. It's really hard to explain without watching it. He came out as, like, the stereotypical, like, American badass-type fighter. And the Karate Man is Ethan Page, uh, dressed up kind of like Ryu or Ryu or however you say it from Street Fighter. And they did a whole lot of really cool martial arts stuff. And the finish came when uh, the Karate Man was going for the crane kick. And Tom Lawler heart-punched him and basically grabbed his heart out of his chest uh, to get the finish, which I thought was really, really good. It was something different and it totally worked. After that, we had a two out of three falls AIW tag team title match where the um, Philly Marino Express defeated Two Infinity and Beyond. uh, Got the one with the roll up in Sunset Dreams. Good match. Philly Marino Express, underrated tag team. They work kind of all over the place, but you don't hear their names that often. So it was good to see them get this win here. Two Infinity and Beyond, I didn't mention before, um, Colin Delaney is a part of that team. A lot of y'all might remember him from his work in WWECW, if you remember back in, already say back in the day, so it was out long ago already, but he was that young, you know, kind of gangly kid, Colin Delaney, and he's still out there, you know, doing it on the Indies, so props to him, and in the main event of this show, we had Joshua Bishop, along with Wes Barkley, defeating Matthew Justice, who had Bill Alfonso manager of Rob Van Dam and Sabu out there with Matthew Justice. Uh, Josh, Josh Bishop gets the win and becomes the new AIW world champion. He beat him by climbing up to the top of a ladder and dropping uh, basically just a giant chair shot to Matthew Justice's head. This match was incredible. I mentioned Matthew Justice already a few times. I think he's, it's, he's literally just, it's just a matter of time before he gets signed somewhere. He checks every box. Um, and he also has, like, that mix of, like, crazy along with everything. Like, he's willing to just do anything. Now, all the unprotected chair shots to the head, little suspect, a little concerning. But if he can get past all that and doesn't have to do it his whole career, he could have a really, really great career, I think. And Josh Bishop, he's the future. It's that simple. He's 23 years old. Um, the first time I interviewed him, he was, like, five matches in his career. And to see where he is now is just... Oh my gosh. It's so great to see. He has the size, the look. He's got that little bit of crazy also. He's got a lot of bit of crazy, actually, to be fair. Um, he does everything really well, and he's constantly improving. And Wes Barkley as his manager slash tag team partner, Like I like Barkley better as his manager personally. There's so much they can do with that, and I love seeing Josh Bishop become the new AIW champion, so huge, huge victory for Bishop. Awesome match. This is one of those matches that I would definitely recommend everyone check out from this weekend. All right, before we move on to more results, we have day two and day three. I want to remind everybody, once again, FightfulSelect.com is where you normally hear me doing this show. Over there, I'm always talking Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, NWA, 205 Live, NXT UK, Being the Elite. I mean, they're missing other stuff. I mean, various things on IndependentWrestling.tv. A lot of the people that we're talking about this weekend for these shows are people that I'm talking about on a weekly basis. And like I said, it isn't just my podcast. You get Alex Pulaski's Sour Graps. You get scoops and extra podcasts and fan interaction with Sean Ross Sapp. You get stuff from Jimmy Van. You get a whole bunch of just amazing stuff for a very low price. And it also is the best way to directly support Fightful.com. So make sure to jump over there. Check out Fightful Select. If you're liking what you're hearing right now, I guarantee you, you know, at the very least, you'll like listening to my show. And then on top of that, you have so much more stuff, just such a great value for your money. So once again, please check that out, FightfulSelect.com and support us over at Fightful. So moving on, we have the last show of night one, which was for the culture, basically highlighting black wrestling. And I know a lot of people think that this was one of, if not the best, overall shows of the entire weekend, and I agree. I thought this show was absolutely incredible. Started off with Mike Outlaw getting a win over Timmy Lou Retton, A.C. Mack, and Zay Washington and Hoodfoot. Uh, gets the win with the Yakuza kick. And this was a big win for Mike Outlaw. He's somebody I know from his work in Glory Pro Wrestling. Did a lot of stuff with hashtag no new friends when they were a stable, which was the team of Mike Outlaw, Danny Adams, and KLD, a.k.a. Kevin Lee Davidson. I tweeted about this um, a little bit over the weekend. I think that Mike Outlaw is somebody to definitely keep your eyes on in 2021. He's somebody that I've been a fan of for a while, but he's really putting it all together right now. He's somewhat he's putting on more size. He's getting better in the ring. Um, he's got a different confidence about him, I feel, and I really, really, really enjoyed it. And also someone in this match that I want to highlight, Hoodfoot. He's a guy that we're going to be talking about more. Uh, Hoodfoot, a.k.a. Mo Atlas. Unique dude, unique look, uh, unique gimmick, uh, and just a heavy as hell hitter. So uh, big shout out to Mike Outlaw, though, for getting the win in the opener for the culture. After that, we had JTG defeating Trey Miguel. Gets the win with the Brooklyn's Edge. And yes, that is JTG, the same JTG that you remember from WWE's Crime Time back in the day. And also, rest in peace to Shad Gaspard, who tragically lost his life, I guess it was already last year, maybe earlier this year. It's all been such a blur lately, um, but just a, this, an incredibly selfless act. He essentially saved his, his kid's life um, and gave up his own uh, in a really terrible situation, uh, drowned, just awful. And it was great to see JTG out there because it reminded me of Shad, and JTG looked great. And it's really funny because like JTG was considered a small person in the WWE, but he's considered like he looks bigger than like everyone on all these shows. So it's wild how that has kind of flipped in recent years, like the the size of the wrestlers in general. But JTG getting the big win, and of course we all know Trey Miguel from his work with the Rascals and all the stuff he does with Impact Wrestling, and yeah, big win for JTG and JTG and Trey Miguel looked great in there. After that, the team of 40 Acres, which was P.B. Smooth and Trey Lamar, defeated Top Flight, the team of Angel Dorado and Airwolf, as well as Culture Season, the team of Christian Casanova and Tasha Steeles, and the, fireman, uh, the finish came with the Fireman's Carry Bomb uh, to Casanova. Another win here for Trey Lamar in this tag team along with P.B. Smooth. Uh, P.B. I think is all right. He got a lot of sides, that's for sure. Um, he's pretty good at what he does, but I think Trey Lamar um, is is ultra talented. I've been talking about him a lot already. I mentioned top flight earlier. This is another match they got, and just had a, they had a busy weekend and had a lot of really good matches. Tasha Steel's—I want to give a shout out to her. I think she's very, very talented, um, underrated. They could be doing more with her in in various companies that she's involved with. So, yeah, good, another just solid tag team match, uh, and another big win for Trey Lamar for the weekend. This one I'm gonna have a hard time with uh, pronouncing the name of the belt probably, but I'm gonna do my best. We had the Pan-African World Diaspora Wrestling Championship. Uh, Trisha Dora defeated Suge D by submission. This was a really big match. Uh, The crowd was super into this. Trisha Dora is very talented. She's another one of those women where you see her and you're kind of like, okay, like people complain about AEW's women's division. Um, Where's someone like Trisha Dora? Uh, You know? Maybe it's, like, Impact Wrestling. They got a pretty damn good women's division, but, like, you know, they lost Tessa, even though she was wrestling, you know, men and women. Um, you know, they just brought on um, Emma, um, chenille Dashwood. You know, they have Jordan Grace. Uh, they have Deanna Perazzo, of course, their champion. Like, they could add Trisha Dora and add another layer to that division. Um, Trisha Dora would fit anywhere. And I think that her match with Shug D was really good and I think Suge D is doing a great thing right now at putting so many people over on the indies while also getting his wins himself, um, but people might know Shug D uh, as Pineapple Pete from AEW, so uh, put two and two together there if maybe you weren't familiar. But yeah, Trisha Dora, really impressive win over Shug D. After that, a match that I loved. We had Calvin Tankman defeating O'Shea Edwards. Got them with a the Tenzin driver. I talked about both these guys earlier, and this is where you're going to start noticing there's going to be quite a bit of overlap probably going forward on the shows. So I'm not going to go as in-depth because I've already kind of explained who these people are. Um, So I'll talk a little bit more about just kind of the results going forward. Unless there's people that I haven't talked about, I'll, I'll make sure to try to highlight as many people as I can. But Tankman over O'Shea Edwards, totally made sense. Great match. And I want, I mean, I just want the world for both guys. I want both guys to just be the most successful they can possibly be. Great match from both. After that, we had Willie Nightingale defeating Devin Monroe, Faye Jackson, and Marty Bell. Got the win with the Doctor's Bomb on Monroe. I like the Doctor's Bomb. Always like that move. Uh, Willow Nightingale. I'm most familiar with Willow from their work in, I believe it's, uh, oh, what's the company that normally, eat? Beyond Wrestling. I think is mainly where I've seen Nightingale wrestle. Um, and it's cool to see Faye Jackson in there. Shout out to Faye Jackson. She did some wrestling for SUP. Uh, had a feud, a lot, basically her and Stokely Hathaway, who is now known as Malcolm Bivens, in NXT. Uh, the two of them had a feud against Mr. Brickster, who I talked about earlier, um, in SUP a few year, or a couple years ago. And one of the most entertaining feuds uh, I remember in recent memory it was really great. So shout out to um, Faye Jackson as well. But Willow Nightingale getting the win. After that, we had AJ Gray defeating Desmond Xavier. Got the one with the Lariat. Incredible match. Desmond Xavier, also part of the Rascals, of course, along with Trey Miguel and Zachary Wentz. AJ Gray with another win for the weekend. This was his... Technically his fourth match of the day. Well, no. How many shows were... There were four shows. So this was his fifth match because you got to count... I think he wrestled every... I think I mentioned AJ Gray every show on this day, plus, you know, the win for the Sub Bone Storm title, which has got to count as another match, too. So just... MVP. Just incredible day for AJ Gray. Incredible weekend for AJ Gray. Great match with him and Desmond Xavier. And part of what I thought was kind of cool about this was when uh, AJ Gray was coming out to his Walk of Flocka theme song, Desmond Xavier was like dancing around and like singing to it, like rapping to it, like while AJ Gray was coming out. So everyone was out here just having a good time and like I said, it was for the culture. This was a this was just a, a it was a big celebration of, of black wrestling. And it was not just black wrestling, all wrestling, but, but you know what I mean? Like this was meant to heavily highlight black talent. And I think that it's a great idea that they did this because basically the idea is there's a lot of really great black, you know, African-American, however you want to word it, talent out there. And they don't always get chances to perform because they're just kind of overlooked or maybe they get pigeonholed in certain roles. And this gave so many people a chance to shine. Just, just amazing. Loved it. Um. After that, another match I loved. Lee Moriarty defeated A.C.H. with a mousetrap, and this was Lee Moriarty's only win of the weekend. Now, I mentioned it before; he loses too often, but he got this big win over A.C.H., which I think counts for a lot because A.C.H. is on a roll right now. He's got a lot of buzz about him, especially after leaving the WWE, especially the way that things went down between him and the company. ACH is out there doing great things on the Indies again. And Lee Moriarty getting the win over ACH is a giant stamp of approval in my opinion. So huge win for Moriarty. After that we had AR Fox defeating Cold Scorpio with a 450 splash in the main event. This match ruled. Cold Scorpio, absolute legend. Um, AR Fox used Cold's own, own move, the 450 splash, to get the win. Cold did all his stuff. I mean he was doing like the backflip leg drops. I don't think he hit the tumbleweed, but he might have went for it. Um, He was doing just everything. I mean, Too Cold Scorpio looked like he was ready to go with any wrestler in the world, in any company in the world. He killed it out there. And AR Fox deserves a ton of credit, too. A lot of people might know him as Dante Fox from Lucha Underground. He's been killing it on the indies for a long time. He's considered basically like a mentor and OG at this point to the indie scene. And to see AR Fox get the win over a legend like two Cold Scorpio in the main event of this historic show. Amazing stuff. Amazing show. Amazing day of wrestling there. And it was all capped off once again by AR, AR Fox defeating the legend 2 Cold Scorpio. Moving on, we got day two coming up. And like I mentioned just a minute ago, we'll go a little bit faster when it comes to uh, kind of the rest of these shows because there's going to be, once again, a lot of overlap with talent. Started off well. I should name the show first. So the first show we had of day two was Effie's big gay brunch, which was essentially made to highlight the LGBTQ plus community. I apologize if I missed any letters or anything there. I, I I'm doing my best. Um, I am. I consider myself an ally. You know, like I'm. I, this is. Uh, I don't want to get political, and I don't want you know anything to be taken the wrong way or out of context. I am. Personally, I'm very pro-game marriage. I'm very pro-living um, your life how you want to live it. And I think this this show really highlights that because there's a lot of very unique talents on this show and a lot of talents that maybe don't get a lot of opportunities because of who they are. And this really, I mean, this was a lot of fun. It really was. The uh, show started off with the Sea Stars, the team of Delmi EXO, and Ashley Vox, defeating the team of Ashton Star and AC Mack. Uh, Got the win with the Elevated Tumbleweed Senton. After that, Still Life with Apricots and Pears. Which, if you've never seen Still Life, I know of Still Life through Chikara. And I can't remember where else I've seen them. But completely unexplainable. Not even going to attempt to explain it. Uh, Got the win over Dark Sheik with the Figure Four four Leglock. After that, the Second Gear Crew, one of my favorite stables in all professional wrestling. Mance Warner, Matthew Justice, Manders, and Levi Everett defeated the BGB All Stars, which was M V Young, Billy Dixon, O'Shea Edwards, and Joshua Warva. Just another really good match, and and it's just great to see Warner, Justice, Manders and Everett as a team. I think the second gear crew, uh it's because they also like there's more members like Effies with them and stuff. And I'll talk about them a little bit more probably a little bit later, but I uh, I love this and yeah, there's not really much more I can say. It was a really good one. It was a one, two, three, four, eight eight person tag match? Just really good stuff. Second gear crew gets the win. After that, Jamie Sengal, Senegal Senegal uh, defeated Alley Cat. Got the one with the springboard facebuster onto a chair. That was brutal. Um, Alley Cat takes another L, but it was fine to see Jamie get the win here and just just more representation. All for it. Um, after that, we had the Twink Gauntlet. Where Devin Monroe uh defeated Jimmy Lloyd, Dylan McKay, Jared Edwards, Logan Stunt, Parrow, Tyler Klein, Calvin Couture, Tony Deppin, Juicy Jimmy, Molly McCoy, Sean Henderson, Marcus Mathers, Kid Osborne, and uh there is a lot of unnamed twinks, We'll <laughs> to say that. Um Devin Monroe gets to win. a uh, Pero I think was the most um was the most impressive in this match. Personally, I'm a fan of Pero. Um yeah, I saw him wrestle for the first time live at NWA 70 in Nashville and I think he presents something different. You know, he's a big dude, a lot of power and somebody that, I'll just be honest, like the first time I saw him wrestle, like, I didn't know he was gay. Like not that that really matters one way or another to someone like me. Like it's fine either way with me. But I really respected the fact that, like, I saw him wrestle and then I saw him on Twitter because I, I found him on Twitter and I was like, oh, this guy's, he's gay. Like, he's talking about his boyfriend and, like, pictures of him and he's in love and all, and it's like, this is refreshing. Like, this guy, not not to say that others don't, but he was one of the first that I really saw in wrestling, like, really embracing it and just not caring what other people thought about it. And I I thought it was great. I I'm a big fan of Pero as a person and as a wrestler, so big shout out to Pero as well. And it was a big weekend for Devin Monroe. He had another win a little bit later in the weekend as well. We had the next match, too hot for TV. So Effie, who put the show on, he wrestled, who was billed as the ultimate twink, Marco Stunt. Uh, Marco Stunt of AEW fame. Surprise appearance. Wrestled Effie here. I cannot even describe a lot of the things that happened in this match. Um, (laughs) I'll just let you all watch it. A lot of really wild stuff went down in this one. And uh, and Marco Stunt gets the win over Effie. And huge shout-out to Effie for putting this show on and for being himself, too. He's another one of those guys, similar to Pero. He's out there just waving the flag. And, and you know, as somebody like myself who's heterosexual, it doesn't bother me one bit. You know what I mean? Like, I like that Effie's out there being himself. And I think that him being himself allows others to be comfortable being themselves. And I think that's what's the most important. Message in all of it, and in the main event we had Cassandra defeating Sunny Kiss, got the top rope victory roll for the one two three. I thought Sunny Kiss looked really good in this match. Cassandra looked good as well. Um, just you know a bit on the older side. Let's just be honest, but a legitimate veteran and pioneer amongst this community in particular. And I'll give Sunny Kiss all the credit in the world. And I'm gonna call Sunny Kiss. uh, I'll refer to her as as her as she because uh, Sunny actually is fine with either. Sonny says she or him, so like I'm not being disrespectful. Just just gotta pick one or the other, I'll just say she. Um, but I think that uh I think that she's been looking really, really good lately, especially since joining AEW. Um her matches have been really good, her her moves have been crisp. Uh I've really liked what I've seen out of Sunny Kiss lately, and I think that her and Cassandra had a really good match uh, to finish up this show. So great stuff. Uh Effie's big gay brunch, uh, representing out there, so all for it. Moving on, we had Glory Pro Wrestling's Are You Wrestling Son. Started off with Mike Outlaw defeating Lee Moriarty. I've talked about both these guys at length. Uh, Mike Outlaw, just keep your eyes out for him. Big win over Moriarty, and I think he's going to have a really big 2021. And I mentioned it before, Moriarty taking another loss. Too many losses, but another really, really good match. Outlaw getting the win. After that, the North, the team of Ethan Page and Josh Alexander, defeated Blake Christian and Alex Zane. This match ruled... Uh, The North, in my opinion, are the best tag team in the world um, for any company. I think that Ethan Page and Josh Alexander have the best array of tag team offense. I think that their run as Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions was really underrated and flew really under the radar, and I think that they're two incredible wrestlers. I think that Ethan Page and Josh Alexander could be ultra-successful as singles wrestlers and or as tag team wrestlers, incredibly versatile. Blake Christian and Alex Zane. I talked about both of them a little bit before. They're both on that that they're on that kind of that tippy top. Like they're they're killing it. They're going out there and just having insane matches and doing insane stuff and doing it really really well. And I thought this match was absolutely awesome. This is another one of those that I'd say go out of your way to check out, because you get a good mix of two of, in my opinion, the best wrestlers in the world currently versus two of the future best wrestlers in the world in Blake Christian and Alex Zane. After that, we had Hakeem Zayn, uh, spelled differently, Z-A-N-E versus Alex Zane, Z-A-Y-N-E for anyone who cares. Uh, Hakeem Zane defeated Kylie Ray, uh, got the one with the kill switch, and this was cool. I mean, Hakeem Zane, for those of you who might not know, he is also known as Rahit Raju. He is the X Division champion in Impact Wrestling, and he's got all these belts right now. Uh, this was for the Mid- Midwest Territory Championship. He's killing it. I'm very happy for him. He's another guy. I've known for a long time because of Glory Pro Wrestling, and it was great to see him highlighted here on the Glory Pro Show over the collective weekend. After that, we had Warhorse defeating Zachary Wentz, got the one with a sharpshooter while he was headbanging. Thought it was cool. Did not expect the submission finish, but I like seeing Warhorse using that in his arsenal. It gives him a little bit a little bit of diversity. I like seeing wrestlers who have multiple finishing moves, um, or you know, multiple signature moves that could end matches. And then like that one overall finisher that always ends it. I think that's really smart. I think guys like AJ Styles, for instance, do that really well. He has all those different moves. He can finish you with I like Warhorse doing that too. At this point, Warhorse has the double stomp, which could finish you. The flying elbow drop can finish you and the sharpshooter can finish you. Oh, and he also has a sick lariat that finishes people too. So, and then Zachary Wentz, of course, a part of the rascals, incredible worker, uh, has a really great, uh, kind of MMA-based style, but he also does high-flying and a little bit of everything. That thought it was really good and great to see Warhorse getting another win and another, I think this puts him at like 40-something title defenses, the Independent Wrestling.TV Championship, so awesome stuff there. After that, we had more awesome stuff. One called Manders defeating Jake Something, or sorry, Um, it was uh, Jake Something defeating Manders in the Bull Rope match. Really, 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 really good stuff. Um, I tweeted this out at both guys afterwards. I want to see them just go at it and beat the hell out of each other over and over again. There was so much crazy stuff in this match. They went through tables and doors and, uh, Jake something's, uh, finisher looked just brutal when he hit him with that black hole slam and they used the cowbell and just really great stuff. Um, I would be fine with watching those two wrestle each other 10 times in a row for the next few months. Like loved it. After that, we had the Sisters of Destruction, the team of Elia B- El- Elena Black. <laughs> well, I don't know why I have such a hard time with her Her name too. Elena Black uh, and Blair Onyx, defeating Hyann and Laney Luck. <coughs> Got someone with a sister, Abigail, essentially. Um, another good match. I mean, Sisters of Destruction, impressive. I think we're going to be seeing more of them. And they're the kind of team that I think would really be beneficial in, in a mainstream company uh, like in... NXT or a WWE, for instance. Like, they'd be great for women's tag team divisions. After that, Devin Monroe defeated Cody Lane, Jody Threat, and Steven Wolfe in a scramble match. Another good match and another big win for Devin Monroe. I mentioned that he'd won the Twink Battle Royal in the uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunt Show. And another big win here. I like seeing Stephen Wolf on the show. I think this is the only time he wrestled all weekend. And he's a guy who's constantly improving, that has a ton of talent. And he's just kind of waiting for the right opportunity, I think. And Jody Threat and Cody Lane, two great talents as well there. So a uh, big win, really, really big win. I didn't see, I didn't expect Devin Moreau to get the win. I really thought Stephen Wolf was going to get this. And uh, Devin Moreau with a surprising win there, but a big day for Devin. After that, the United Glory Tag Titles were on the line. Top Flight defeated Gaytanic Panic. And Alley Cat and Dan the Dad, and they become the new tag team champions. Top Flight, been talking about them before. Think that they're doing great stuff, and they get this big win. They had lost all the other matches up to this point in the weekend. Tanic Panic consists of Dan Housen and Effie, by the way. Interesting and really fun uh, kind of tag team and friendship that they've got there. Great stuff. Top Flight are the new champions. Really good match. And in the main event of this show, A.J. Gray is back. He comes out and he beats A.C.H. He retains his Crown Glory title, which is essentially the Glory Pro Heavyweight Championship. Gets the one with the blue eyes, white dragon, one, two, three. Um, basically hit him with a bunch of uh, lariats. And then the, the white dragon is, how do I explain it? It's like a snow plow kind of, like what Al Snow used to do. I believe that's probably the most similar type move to it. Brutal stuff. And uh, ACH takes another L, but in a really impressive match, and another win. This is another one for AJ Gray. I mean, up to this point, has not lost one match over the collective weekend. I can't say it enough. MVP of the weekend. After that, we had the highly anticipated Joey Janela's Spring Break 4. This was absolutely insane, this whole show. I really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people complain about the length of the show, but in my opinion, it was right on brand. Like, this is what you expect out of a Joey Janela show. You expect it to either start late or end late or, you know, the clusterfuck's going to go, like, super long. And I think this was all on brand, and I enjoyed the show. The show started off with Ricky Shane Page, who is the GCW Heavyweight Champion. He does an open challenge. Eventually, the open challenge is answered by Orange Cassidy. There was no title on the line, but Orange Cassidy gets the win. The place went completely insane, and you can tell they're setting up something in the future between Ricky Shane Page and Orange Cassidy, unless it was just a one-off for Orange Cassidy to get a big pop, uh, because it doesn't really hurt RSP either, because Orange Cassidy, you know, he just beat Chris Jericho twice. I mean, you know, taking a loss to Orange Cassidy right now is is totally, totally fine. Um, And this was a lot of fun. It was a fun match, and the crowd was going nuts. After that, we had the team of Iron Beast defeating the Rascals. I didn't know much about Iron Beast. they are two singles wrestlers who are now tag teaming. thought it was a solid match. And getting win over the Rascals is always a big deal. So shout out to Iron Beast. After that, Jonathan Gresham defeating Lee Moriarty. Got a win uh, when he had... He basically was hitting hammer fists when he had uh, an octopus hold on Lee Moriarty. Another loss for Moriarty. But this was to Jonathan Gresham. Who, in my opinion, is the best technical wrestler in the world. He's who I think should win the ROH Pure Title Tournament. And I would love to see the two of these guys run it back uh, for that Ring of Honor pure title in the near future if Gresham uh, indeed wins it. It's incredible stuff. This was another one of those, like, can't-miss matches. Another one where, like, you have to see this one from this weekend. Incredible stuff by both. Huge, huge fan of Jonathan Gresham and Lee Moriarty, both of those guys. After that, we had Team Pazuzu, the team of Chris Dickinson, Santana, and Ortiz defeating Alex Zane, Blake Christian, and Jordan Oliver. Another just really fun matchup. Zane, Christian, and Oliver are completely insane. Some of the three best high flyers on the independent scene. It was great to see Team Pazuzu back. That's Chris Dickinson along with Santana and Ortiz, who we've been seeing a lot lately on AEW, and a lot on Impact Wrestling prior to that. They were, used to be known as EYFBO. Just fun fact for you um, when they were on the indies. That is Santana and Ortiz. It was good to see the three of them getting that win. This was a great match, um, and Pazuzu reunited. Really cool to see. After that, Tony Deppin defeated Al Shelley by pinfall. Tony Deppin, a guy who didn't get as highlighted as I probably would have liked him to over the weekend because he's super talented, and he's also a part of the Ring of Honor a pure title tournament. Him getting this win over Al Shelley, I think, was smart. I really liked that booking decision. Shelley doesn't need a win over Deppin, but Deppin could really use that win over Shelley, and I think it was great. I thought the match was a lot of fun, and I thought once again, uh Deppin getting that win I thought was the right call. After that, Leo Rush defeated ACH. Another L for ACH. A lot of losses for him this weekend, but a lot of awesome matches. Leo Rush completely killed it. He's still one of the best wrestlers in the world, especially when you're talking strictly in ring work, but he's damn good on the microphone also. Don't know how or why things ended up the way they did between Leo Rush and the WWE, but uh, Leo, I I feel like Leo Rush has got to be on AEW soon. I just don't see any other scenario. Like he's he's just too good. Speaking of too good, we had Ricky Morton defeating Joey Janela with an inverted figure four lock. This was one of the best matches of the weekend, and I'm not just saying that. Like this match was absolutely incredible. Ricky Morton can still go better than a lot of the current wrestlers, and I know Ricky Morton stays active, but he's like I think he was 64 years old. Joey Janelle went out there and made him look like a million bucks. This match was just totally awesome. The crowd loved it. Morton was hitting just crazy moves and it, I mean, I would watch this again 100. It's one of those things where like you don't want it to you don't want to see it again because like it was so magical and worked so good. You don't want him to see it. don't want to see them try to outdo that. But like this match was so awesome. Another one of those highly highly recommended matches. Up um, next we have the clusterfuck. I This match went, like, over an hour. I was totally fine with it because I expected it. I'm not going to go through all this. Spider Nate Webb entered first, won the whole thing. I would recommend just checking it out because there's so much crazy stuff and so many unexpected people and just random stuff throughout these matches. I think it's just fun to watch as a fan. Just go into it just not taking it seriously, okay? Just go into it just to have fun. Spider Nate Webb gets to win. And in the main event... In Matt Tremont's final GCW match, Alice Cologne defeats Matt Tremont. Uh, Basically, he takes a rake, and he had light tubes attached to every piece of the rake, so there was probably like eight or so of them in this thing, and he just swings it and just bashes Tremont in the head. It looked absolutely brutal. Once again, deathmatch wrestling isn't really my thing per se, but, I mean, a good set-off for Tremont, because even though I'm not the biggest Matt Tremont fan... I respect what he's done, and I respect the fact that he has a very large fan base, and he's been doing this stuff for a long-ass time. And, you know, the th- I, I just to be fair and transparent and honest about it, I think, I think Matt Tremont covers up his lack of athleticism and wrestling ability with the deathmatch stuff. And he does that, and I think for him, it works tremendously. Like, I think that, because I'll just be honest, I don't think you could have Matt Tremont out there having these, you know, you're not going to get him versus like Jonathan Gresham in like some technical masterpiece. But Matt Tremont can go out there and beat the hell out of people and take light tubes and glass and just do crazy stuff that people are, other people aren't willing to do. And he carved out a hell of a career for himself doing it. So all the respect in the world for, for what he does. Um, and while it isn't my cup of tea, once again, per se, I respect it. And Alice Colon basically um, was given the torch during that match. So, you know, big victory. And then the last match of night two we had, or the last show of night two, we had freelance undergrounds. I don't think we're in Chicago anymore. Started off with Isaias Velasquez defeating Lee Moriarty. So once again, another L for Moriarty. I uh, got the one with the double underhook pile driver. This totally makes sense though, because Velazquez is freelance's boy. Like he's... He is being heavily pushed by Freelance, and he should be. Like, he's a really big part of the company. Impressive win for Velazquez there over Moriarty. After that, Warhausen, the team of Warhorse and Danhausen, defeated the Brothers of Funstruction, the team of Ruffo and Yabo the Clown. <laughs> this was a little web redemption. There During the Joe Janela Spring Break show, there was Confetti Guys uh, for... Uh, Oh, sorry. This was for the next match. Let me get to that on the next one. I was thinking, I confused Yabo and Frank the Clown for a second. We're going to get into that in a second. Um, this match itself, though, Warhorse and Danhausen, totally expected to get this win. Good match. Uh, the finish came by a DQ, but, you know, good stuff. And Warhorse, I'm always down to watch Warhorse wrestle. The next match, we had Robert Ego Anthony along with Frank the Clown defeating Effie. Got the one with the Mandalorian driver. This was for the Freelance Legacy title. And Frank the Clown, which was I was talking a second ago, during Janela's spring break, there's a dude who accidentally shot himself in the nuts with a confetti blower, and he got a web redemption during this match, so check that out. It's gone viral. Really funny stuff. Uh, Robert Anthony getting the win here. I'm fine with it. Personally, bigger fan of Effie, just me personally. Um, But I, I respect Ego Anthony, and I also think that Frank the Clown is an incredible heel. Like He really gets a lot of heat, so... You know, big win and uh, title title change for, uh, for Robert E. Anthony. After that, we had a freelance scramble match. Blake Christian defeated Storm Grayson, Aliyah Black, Alex Zane, August Matthews, and Davey Bang. So I've been talking about him a lot. Another big win for Blake Christian. Uh, a huge win here. And he was just heavily spotlighted over the weekend. Incredible talent. Blake Christian with the W. The FU independent championship on the line. Lady Luck defeated Faye Jackson, got them with the unicutter. Lainey Luck, uh, this was the second time I believe she had wrestled over the weekend, and another I and mean, it's an impressive win here over Faye Jackson. Shane Mercer defeated Ethan Page and Colby Carino. And basically it was a a power a, uh World Strongest Slam. It was like a World Strongest Slam moonsault from the second rope. Shane Mercer does a great job of mixing up his athleticism and high-flying, along with the fact that he's just this jacked muscle dude and presents something different. He's unique, entertaining to watch. Ethan Page and Colby Carino have talked about at length already on this show, but Shane Mercer getting the, the big nod in that one. And in the main event, we had Kylie Ray defeating Josh Alexander, got the one with a face after a really good match, really great technical match. Um, Alexander always looks like a million bucks. Kylie Ray is one of the best wrestlers in the world, male or female, I have no problem with Kylie Ray getting this win, and I thought it was a really, really great way to close out night two. All right, we're coming up on day three. But before I do, once again, if you want to hear this, along with Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, NWA, 205 Live, Independent independentwrestling.tv stuff, everything, Fightful Select Weekender is where to listen to the show every weekend, along with everything you get from Alex Palowski, Sean Ross Sapp, Jimmy Van, and everybody else involved. It is the most direct way to support Fightful. Is over there at FightfulSelect.com. Going into night three, we had, or day three, I should say, Black Label Pro's Threat Level Noon. Started off with Alex Shelley Shelley defeating Anthony Henry. Got him with an inside cradle. Incredible match. Um, I really want to see these two go at it again. I don't know how much longer Anthony Henry's going to wrestle. I hope he doesn't retire anytime soon, but he's been talking about it. But this match was really, really, really good. Alex Shelley with the win. After that, Josh Alexander defeats Layla Hirsch with a spinning tombstone, brutal finisher. Great match. Layla Hirsch is a very, very um, um, what's the right word? Talented. Want we'll to say that very talented wrestler. Uh, a little under the radar, but somebody that I think is going to make it really big in a major company very soon. Uh, I think Layla Hirsch is very, very good. And Josh Alexander with the big win there. The stunt doubles, the team of Marco Stunt and Logan Stunt, defeated Gay Panic Panic, the team of Effie and Danhausen. What I liked about this match, too, is uh, Marco and Logan fought each other, like they turned on each other. Marco turned on uh, Logan, I should say, at at Janela's spring break the night before, and that hostility uh, carried over into this match, even though they won and they were a tag team. I think there's being more seeds planted for a big singles match between the two. They've wrestled singles matches in the past, but uh, Marco's obviously a lot more um, known than he was then at this point, and Logan's still trying to make a name for himself, or a bigger name for himself, I should say. Um, but yeah, good win for the stunt doubles over Gaetanic Panic. After that, we had the Bad Mother effer Scramble. AJ Grade defeating Big Beef, Jody Threat, Matthew Justice, Levi Everett, Josh Bishop, and Colin Delaney got the win with a uh, a uh, what do you call a lariat? Brain scrambled apparently. Uh, got win with a big lariat. Got the win over Everett. This match ruled. Every one of this match is awesome. This was the first time we'd seen Big Beef all weekend, I believe, and he's another guy that um, I see him all the time in like the Atlanta area. Really talented Atlanta-Chattanooga-type areas. Um, I've talked about everyone else um, that's a part of this match already at this point. And another big win for AJ Gray over some really heavy hitters. I mean, especially having like Big Beef, Matthew Justice, and Josh Bishop in there. Getting that win's a big deal. After that, Killer Kelly defeated... Killer Billy Starks. Uh, this is Billy Starks getting a last minute replacement call. Uh, Killer Kelly was supposed to wrestle Kylie Ray, and Kylie Ray wasn't able to make it. I don't know if it was because of her match with Josh Alexander the night before. I'm not sure exactly the reasoning. But Billy Starks, who, by the way, is only, I think, 15 years old, incredible wrestler. Um, she worked a few different matches over the weekend. She was in the clusterfuck at Janela Spring Break. She was in this match, and then she was in a match on the last show that we'll talk about here in just a second. Uh, shout out to Mouse. Shout out to Billy Starks. And I'm glad that she's okay. She took a pretty big spill uh, yesterday, and she went to the ER, and it sounds like she's all right. But um, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Billy Starks. I think she's going to be the best wrestler in the world within the next handful of years, and she's already so good at the age of 15. It's insane. And Killer Kelly, I think, is awesome also. I think she's a great at blood sport, and I think she's another one that She should be getting more mainstream exposure. So Killer Kelly with the win over Billy Starks. We had Top Flight, uh, who had won the BLP tag team titles earlier on the, I guess uh, earlier in the day. Um, It's all starting to mix together now. But Top Flight, another big win for them over Team Filthy, the team of Tom Lawler and Eric Stevens. Got the one with the fold-up knee strike, got the pin on Stevens. Another just solid tag team match, exactly what you would expect. Filthy Tom Lawler, um, was one of the best MMA fighters in the UFC, like in the light heavyweight division when he left the company. There was a lot of crazy circumstances around that with USADA violations and getting fired after and John Jones being able to fight with basically the same thing and yada yada. But I'm a big fan of Filthy Tom and it was great to see Top Fight get the win over Lawler and Stevens. After that, balances is forever. The team of Kevin Q and Dominic Graney defeated the besties in the world to become the Black Label Pro Tag team champions. Oh, sorry. I'm in Glory Pro, not Black Label Pro. When I'm talking about top Flight, by the way. Sorry about that. got confused, Um, but yeah, Black Label Pro tag team titles. Uh, so now Greeny and Q hold the BLP and the sub tag team titles simultaneously, and they're also currently signed to MLW. So a lot of big stuff going on for Kevin Q and Dominic Greeny, and besties in the world, uh, Davey Vega and Matt Fitchett. One of my favorite interests is pro wrestling. Shout out to Savage Garden. Been a fan of them for a long time. Uh saw them first in Glory Pro Wrestling years back. And I think Vega and Fitchit as the besties. Uh there's uh they haven't even be like they're already huge on the indies, but like I think that they haven't even begun to peak. Like they're they'll be a, a nationally televised uh, tag team in the I feel like the near future. Super talented. After that, we had a number one contender match where Blake Christian defeated Alex a and Ethan Page, and JD Drake. Got the one with the inverted Koji Clutch. She um, had another so just another huge win for Alex, or sorry, for uh, Blake Christian over incredible talents like Alex a and Ethan Page, and JD Drake. Uh huge clash of styles in this one, and a huge win for Blake Christian. Huge weekend for Blake Christian. And in the main event, the Black Label Pro champion Jake Something defeated the IWTV champion Warhorse. Only the Black Label Pro title was on the line during this. Earlier in the weekend, Warhorse's IWTV Championship had been stolen, and um, we found out that Gary J had stolen it. He distracted Warhorse during this match, and allowing J something to get the win over Warhorse. Gary J, for those of you who don't know, is Warhorse's longtime rival on the Indies, and the two of them have just been going to absolute war for years, and it looks like that's going to continue for the IWTV title, and I am all for it. After that, we had Shimmer's Volume 118 at The Collective. Started off with Nevaeh defeating Kenzie Page with a driving DDT. Great stuff there. I like Nevaeh a lot. I like Kenzie Page a lot. This was good stuff. Um, and I'll just say it right off the bat, I think that like the majority of the people in this match should get signed. Like, There's so much talent on this Shimmer show. I go really like diving DDTs also. I'll throw that out there. After that, we had a sensational scramble, which uh, Alice Crowley defeated Alea Black, Queen of... Queen Amanita, Jody Threat, Big Mama, and Brittany Blake got the win with the European Clutch, so big win for Alex Crawley. After that, Heather Monroe defeated Layla Hirsch, got the win with the Underhanded Tactics, hit a eye poke, and got a roll-up for the 1-2-3. I think both of these women are super talented. I've already talked about Layla Hirsch a little bit. I can echo the same stuff about Heather Monroe. I uh, the, the Killer Bay Heather Monroe, I think that we'll be seeing a lot more of her In the near future. After that we had the Bird and the Bee. The team of Willa Nightingale and Solo Darling. Who I know I've definitely seen tag team. uh, Many times in Beyond Wrestling. Defeated the team of. Sierra and Kayla Cassidy. Got the one with the Hertz Donut. Finisher on Cassidy. And uh, yeah another big win for Willa Nightingale. And Solo Darling. I feel like they should have won this match. And they did. It was good stuff. Speaking of good stuff. Lacey Ryan defeated Davian. This was probably my favorite match of the whole night. I think Lacey Ryan has a ton of potential. She came into this match as kind of relatively unknown and got a really what I would consider a really big upset win over Damian. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Lacey Ryan, she needs to get signed yesterday. I mean, she's super talented with so much upside. After that, the Heart of Shimmer Championship, high-end defeated Thunder Kitty. Cool to see Thunder Kitty is a part of this. Uh, she was a part of Janella spring break as well. She's been wrestling forever and high end getting the win, uh, kind of a pass in the torch type situation. So all about that. Zoe sky defeated Holly dead with the swirly stomp. So big win for Zoe sky here on the show. Um, just bigger, more powerful, um, for, uh, for Holly dead, but then basically, um, like basically, essentially what happened is Zai got the hell beat out of her and outlasted it. And got the win. So a big showing of heart from Zoe Sky. After that, the Shimmer tag team titles on the line. The Sea Stars defeated The Hex. Got the win with Flopping Fish in a really good tag team match. I'd like to see all of these women. Uh, Delmi XO, Ashley Vox, Allison Kaye, and Marty Bell more featured. I think Allison K and Marty Bell probably a little more well known. Um, but maybe not, maybe just to me, but, uh, all four super talented women. And in the main event, Kimberly defeated Nicole Savoy with a Kim Tom bomb. This was a great match. This totally deserved to main event the show. Uh, Kimberly, obviously she's like a legend of, of women's wrestling on the indies at this point, I would say. And, you know, we're seeing her more often on impact wrestling. Nicole Savoy, super talented as well. And, this was a great main event for a great all-women show that, like I said, I think a lot, if not all, of those women should get signed. Like, there's a lot of talent there. After that, we have Josh Burnett's Bloodsport, which I very much look forward to every year. Simon Grimm, uh, the former um, the former uh, Simon Gotch from the WWE, from the Villains, defeated Matt Mikowski with a half-and-half half suplex. Um, I think this was good because Simon Grimm is always talking about like his kind of like catch wrestling background and all that kind of stuff. And he was able to show it here, which I thought was a good look for him. There was a women's tournament, the first round, Allison Kay defeated Killer Kelly with a head scissors choke. Thought this was really good too. And I was kind of surprised to see Allison Kay get the win. I kind of thought that Killer Kelly was going to win going into it. So big win for Allison K. Uh, another women's match in the tournament at, uh, uh, Lindsay Snow defeated Layla Hirsch. With a heel hook, really, really, really good one. It was a pretty fast match. Uh, it ended pretty quickly, and that just goes to show you, like in bloodsport matches, it's it's also like it's treated similar to MMA. Like you just get caught with something, and that's that. Next, we had Calvin Tankman defeating Alexander James. Got the one with a knockout elbow. Calvin Tankman's just the man. Uh, he does great in regular matches. He does great in these types of matches, UWFI rules, matches, whatever whatever situation he's thrown into, he does absolutely incredible. And, I mean, the man did a standing shooting star press over the weekend, Calvin Tankman. He's humongous, and he's going for shooting star presses. I mean, super, super talented. Big A big win for Calvin Tankman, a big weekend for Calvin Tankman. Eric Hammer defeated Kyle Jake uh, in the next match with a double wrist lock, a.k.a. Kimura. Uh Just some solid uh, shoot-style fighting right there. Filthy Tom Lawler defeated Homicide in the next match with a leg lock. Really enjoyed this. It was cool to see Homicide as a part of this show. Just an absolute indie legend. One of the first ever Ring of Honor heavyweight champions. And it made sense that Lawler won, given his background. Thought it was a really entertaining match. Really, really enjoyed it. After that, Davey Boy Smith Jr. defeated Josh Alexander, got the one with a knockout with a Liger Bomb, which I thought was a cool uh, kind of twist because there's no pinfalls in Blood Sport. And Davy Boy Smith Jr. hit a Liger Bomb, but because he hit it with such force, Josh Alexander was knocked out, deemed unconscious, and Davey Boy Smith got the knockout win. Thought it was great. Thought Davey Boy Smith Jr. looked great. And I want to see more of him uh, in the States. Like, you know, I know he's been doing a lot of stuff with, like, Japan and... He does a lot of MMA stuff. Like, I want to see him in the States more often. Like, he's he's changed and gotten a lot better since his days as D.H. Smith in the WWE, in my opinion. After that, the women's tournament finals. Lindsey Snow defeated Allison Kaye, got the one with the heel hook. Big win for Lindsay Snow. Uh, she's badass. She deserves the win. I mean, all these women are, but I'm totally fine with Lindsay Snow, and this is the most exposure I've seen her get, personally. Like, I was less familiar with Lindsay Snow than all the other women on this show, and I came out of it like, oh, hell yeah, like, Lindsey Snow is badass, which is, I think, the exact uh, goal of what you're doing with a match like that. So big, big tournament win for Lindsey Snow. Got the one with the heel hook out of nowhere. And the main event, John Moxley defeated Chris Dickinson. Got him with his bulldog choke. Um, this is amazing stuff. I mean, Chris Dickinson is one of those guys where you feel really bad for him because he, like, had this WrestleMania weekend happened, like, in Tampa... With all those fans and all the eyes on him, Dickinson probably would have gotten signed to a major promotion like immediately after. Um, and I think he's still going to get signed soon. It's just kind of prolonged a few things, the pandemic and all. And I thought his match with Moxley ruled. I thought this whole thing was just incredible. Great main event, great way to close out Bloodsport. And just incredible to see that John Moxley, Like this is the definition of doing it for the love of the game. Like Moxley doesn't have to do these shows. He's doing it because he wants to. And he wants to give back to independent wrestling, and AEW is awesome for allowing him to do this stuff as their world champion in New Japan, as as the IWGP United States champion. Incredible stuff! Incredible show! Incredible, uh, incredible card! Really, I mean, in Moss getting that win over Dickinson, exactly how it should have been. Great all the way around, and the weekend closed out with Paradigm Strap Soul. Started off with Suge D defeating O'Shea Edwards with a cross-arm breaker. Really great match. O'Shea Edwards gave um, Sug D some massive props after the win, after um Shug D's win, and he actually gave him uh, part of his entrance gear as like a trophy, basically. Really cool stuff. And uh Shug D needed the win. O'Shea Edwards, I would like to see O'Shea get the win, but that's probably just me being a little biased, to be honest. I like Suge D. I love O'Shea Edwards, and this was a great match to start off the show. After that, there was a dead man's fight for the Midwest Territory Championship. Chase Holiday defeated Sonico, got him with a spinning back fist in a competitive, hard-hitting vi- uh, fight. After that, we had a Naptown Elimination Scramble, where Billy Starks defeated Freddie Hudson, Darren Dillinger, Miles Morales, Adam Slade, Zay Washington, Braden Lee, Sean Kemp, Juicy, and Juicy Feneau. Juicy Fano, from what I understand, he just, like, started showing up at shows, and eventually they started using him, which for any aspiring wrestlers out there, that's the way to do it. Uh, If you're not booked, show up and help. I think that's how Juicy has been getting a lot of these opportunities lately, from what I understand. Freddie Hudson I'm familiar with uh, from, what's the company? Not Paradigm, I don't think. I can't remember. I know Freddie Hudson, though. He's really talented in... uh, He's like the top guy of, oh, I wish I could remember which company it was, but I've been watching him a lot more lately. Billy Starks, have talked about her. She took a scary dive during this match and wound up in the ER, had to get some staples, but she's fine now from what we understand. And it was really cool to see Billy Starks get that win. I mean, humongous win to cap off the weekend for her. Really, really big. After that, we had UWF Rules match where Dominic Green had defeated Kevin Q with a triangle armbar. bar. This is balances Forever against each other. This made sense that Greeny would win. Greeny's the one with an actual, you know, blue belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. He's the one who's known for this grappling style. Kevin Koo, valiant effort, but Greeny getting the win totally made sense. After that, another UWFI rules match, Flash Thompson defeating Cole Radrick. This one was really quick. Radrick was injured from previous match, and Flash Thompson exposed that, put him in an E-bar pretty much immediately to force the tap. After that, we had another UWFI grudge fight. This was Eric Stevens' final match. Hoodfoot defeats Eric Stevens. Uh, basically, he just beats the hell out of him with ground and pound to get the ref stoppage. After the match, Eric Stevens puts his boot, leaves his boots in the ring, and he is officially retired from professional wrestling. So, huge shout out to Eric Stevens for an incredible career. Uh, he did a lot of stuff in Ring of Honor, especially in the early days. He took like a decade off wrestling, came back not too long ago, did a great job, and. And that's that, but big shout-out to Eric Stevens and big shout-out to Hoodfoot Mo Atlas for getting that big win, and he's been looking really impressive. After that, we had a heavy hitter's title street fight where Bobby Beverly retained against Alex Colon. This was a crazy match, a lot of really good stuff. Colon was screwed out of the win a bunch of different times. Uh, Eventually, Beverly kicked him in the face with a bunch of light tubes. And it, was, it looked absolutely brutal. The kick looked like it hit him right in the face, too, on top of all the shattering light bulbs. So crazy match and a great finish there. After that, we have the Paradigm Tag Team titles on the line. Six-man tag team. Death match. The Rejects defeated Earl's Picks. Um, the people involved in this match were Akira Reed-Bentley, John Wayne Murdoch taking on Nolan Edwards, Juicy Jimmy, and Hardway Heater. Uh finish came with the Judd Nelson driver through a flaming table onto Nolan Edward, which was brutal, absolutely crazy match in the finish. Ruled, there was a lot of fire on that table. It looked great. And in the main event, which was the last show of the collective, we had a Clockwork Orange House of Fun Death match. The Ravens creation from back in the day, where we had Bradley Prescott IV defeating Matthew Justice. Got a win with a second row pile driver through a trash can. I love Bradley Prescott. He's the natty daddy. I love natural light. I love seeing him do his thing. He's getting better and better, and he's going to be all over the place soon. He's already doing great stuff in Paradigm and Sup and SCI and a whole bunch of other places. Keep your eyes out for Bradley Prescott the fourth and the Lost Boys and Stable, which uh, Hoodfoot is a part of. And uh, Matthew Justice, like I keep saying, he's the man. He's going to get signed. He's just, he's insane. He's super good. And to see Bradley Prescott get the win was a nice surprise and a great way to cap off an incredibly amazing weekend of professional wrestling. So that's that. I know it's a lot. Normally my show runs about an hour long, but we had 12 shows to talk about. And I wanted to go in depth and give everybody the best shout outs and the best reviews I possibly could in a reasonable amount of time. So. Thank you all for uh, checking this out. If you want more of this, make sure to subscribe to Fightful Select. That is the place for the Fightful Select Weekender. That is the place for Sean Ross Sapp's Scoops. That's the place for multiple podcasts, including Alice Pulaski's Sour Graps. Check it out. You will not be disappointed. FightfulSelect.com You can follow me on Twitter at FightTalk underscore F-I-G-H-T-T-A-L-K underscore. I've been Steven Jensen. Until next weekend, enjoy some professional wrestling.